identifies himself as the way, the truth, and the life. I was explaining to somebody on the phone today the fact that when you, when you think about what the devil tried to do when, when Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness and how the, the devil tried, by the way, he still tries through the same avenues in our lives, true, the, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and, and through the eye gate and, and the various uh, avenues in our lives. And so he tempted the Lord, but if I told this individual, I said, think back to what Jesus did. How did he, how did he get the devil to leave him alone? Well, three times when he was tempted, he quoted scripture every time. And another word that's synonymous for the scripture is the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And the Bible says that the devil left him three times. You know, that, that's where they, uh, one, of the, one of the many places they might get that uh, saying that we often hear many times, three strikes and you're out. And the devil was out of there. And so we have to understand how powerful the truth is. Uh, many people live their lives not dealing with the truth. They live one lie after another after another. And folks, if you're like me, I learned way early in my life that if you tell one lie, you got to tell another one to cover that one up. You might as well come clean. Learn to live your life according to the truth. In other words, we're Christians. Learn to live your life by the Word of God because thy word is truth. And we need to understand what the truth is in our lives if we're going to be able to help others. Now, I've been using uh, Matthew 7.15, and it's in your notes, and it, we're also going to go back. We got started last week. We kind of got into a discussion, and, uh, it's, and so we're going to spend uh, probably whatever time we have tonight over in the small book of Jude. Uh, and so if you want to turn there, you can turn there. But the Bible says in Matthew 7.15, beware of false prophets which come to you, notice, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And you think about that, that verse there, and it, it, again, I just think about this matter of how that as Christians, the Bible identifies us in the book of Jude as beloved, and that's, that's a beautiful word, uh, meaning that we are saved, we're brothers in Christ, that we are beloved to the Lord. But there is a battle raging, and it's nothing new. The battle that has been raging is for the truth. Uh, if, if I could put it this way, there are 10 major or cardinal doctrines that we hold to as Bible-believing Christians. Of those 10 cardinal doctrines... The two cardinal doctrines, two of those ten that probably are the ones that the devil has had his sights on the most would be bibliology or the doctrine of the Word of God, and the other one would be what? Christology, which is the study of Christ, the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about that, because if, if and this is the attempt today, have you ever heard people, whether it's in person or maybe it's on, a, on some type of program you might watch or maybe something you read, 
where somebody is trying to convince people that Jesus, yes, was a good man, that Jesus, yes, was a teacher or a rabbi, but they stop there. In other words, they do not want to admit that Jesus Christ was who? That he was God, that he was God in the flesh. Now, think about the ramifications if Jesus was not God. That changes everything. As they say, that's a game changer. We're still in our sins. There's so many things that, you know, so much hinges. You know, the Bible talks about that, that the, the gospel, which is all about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that, listen, without that, our faith is vain. It's empty without Jesus. Now, the other doctrine is the Word of God, which, honestly, when you think about it, it's not a play on words. But remember what John wrote in his gospel record, which is the Word of God, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus was the Word, God incarnate. So we have the written Word, and then we actually had the living Word among us. He dwelt among us. So when you think about this, if the devil can change the Word of God or the truth, it changes everything. For instance, if he can change the Word of God, then what we believe about sin changes. If he can change the Word of God, what we believe about salvation changes. There are so many erroneous teachings out there about the end times. That's the work of the devil. I mean, people are so confused about what's going to take place in the future. Now, God has given us his word. God has told us in his word. But see, all of this brings us back to the same thing, and that is that there is a battle raging for the truth. Many today, what they, what they either want to do or they've already done is they've thrown in the towel when it comes to the truth. I know Bible college students that were in the college when I was there in California who today don't believe what they believed when I was there back, and I left in 2014. They've taken the truth, you know, this, this is what people have done, is this is the truth, and they're like, it means nothing to them. We've lost our mooring when it comes to the truth, People want to just discard it. They want to twist it, distort it. They want to give up on the truth. Listen to this true story. I, I, I wasn't looking for this. It came across as I was spending some time last week. But in 2014, so this was five years ago, a construction crew was hired and had prepared to, to do the demolition on a church building in Berkeley, California. 
in the rubble, as they were doing the demolition, they discovered a time capsule from 1948 that was hidden inside the wall behind the church cornerstone. Remember how a lot of churches have what they call a cornerstone. So they found this time capsule in this cornerstone, and as they found it, inside it was, it was soldered shut. It was a metal box. They, they were able to open it up, and inside that sealed metal box was a carefully wrapped Bible. There were also newspaper articles about the church's groundbreaking in 1948, and there were several, and of course this would have gone with the time, there were several anti-liquor flyers written by the founding pastor of that church back in 1948. The sad thing is, is that this church was being demolished because the church had dwindled and the church had disbanded. This church that once stood for the truth, 66 years later, no longer exists. Sometime during their ministry, this church succumbed to the pressure to turn away from the truth. They lost their way. And I read that story and I thought about our church. We're going to be celebrating 70 years. The truth is there's no guarantee that if a church, which is not a building, it's the people, that if a church were to throw the truth aside, then they too will not remain true to the Word of God. A lot of times people will say, Pastor, why are you so, you know, why are you so, you know, over it with when it comes to the Bible and certain things? Because if we don't, as you see tonight, if we don't protect the truth, if we don't earnestly contend for the truth, it won't be long and we won't have the truth. And, and, and it may come the day where if that happens to our church, that they might be demolishing our church. Because why have a church if you're not going to teach and preach the Word of God, which is the truth? Everybody with me tonight? So when you look at this, and we go to the book of Jude tonight, Jude, in the end of this small book, from about verse 20 down close to the end of the, the, uh, the book here, Jude gives us, and I mentioned last week, as he writes, it's really God sharing with us five characteristics, directives for us to study, but also to obey. And so as we look at these five things, they will help us as, again, the title of tonight's message is, Beloved, Don't Stop. Don't stop. And I'm going to share with you, if we get through all of them, these five directives. And it, it, listen, when, when we think about what we need to stay focused on, what we need to keep our focus on is the truth of God's Word. Uh, you think about what the Bible tells us, that we, we should be looking, uh, to, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, again, Jesus is the truth. So we've got to keep focused on the truth. And as we think, we think about this, last week I, I gave you point number one. That is why we, we need to make sure, first of all, that we don't stop building. 
Now here's what Jude writes in verse number 20. Look at this. He says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So the first directive that God gives us through Jude is that we need to make sure that we continue to build up ourselves. Now understand what he's saying here because, look, this is a day as, as Christians, as believers of the truth, this is no time for, for weak and anemic and bulimic Christians. Why? Because they're, we're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. Some of our missionaries, they, like even tonight, they, they talk about the, the onslaught of the devil. And this is something that is real even here in the United States of America in our churches. And Peter writes it this way, Therefore, beloved, seeing ye know. See, this isn't something that's new. It's been around since the days of Peter and way before that. He says, seeing that ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away, with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So, look, so many. And, and listen, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I would never. And yet today, they are. But they have said, I would never do that. I would never turn from that. Well, how do you, how do you keep yourself? How do you keep building yourself? Well, look at the next verse here as Peter continued to write, where he says, don't fall from your own steadfastness, but do what? Grow. See, we've got to keep growing in what? The grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So we've got to continue to study the Word of God. We've got to continue to obey. Listen, it's one thing to hear, but it's a totally another thing to be a doer of it. So a lot of times we come to church, we hear something, but when we go out the door, do we take it with us? Do we implement it in our lives? It's so important that we understand this matter of not stopping to build ourselves. Look, I mentioned this last week, having discernment as a Christian. We've got to be able to discern between what is truth and what's error. And the only way that that's going to happen is, is that we, we are having a healthy diet of the Word of God. As we're feasting on the Word of God, we'll recognize that's truth, that's not truth. Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter number 5, verse 14. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the first directive that James gives us in this matter of contending for the faith and making sure that we're standing for the truth, that we don't throw the truth away, is we need to make sure that we don't stop building. But look in verse number 20 as he continues. He says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves, look at this, on your most holy, what? Faith. Now, we are justified by faith. Once we're saved, listen to this, we're studying this Sunday morning in Sunday school, we are to journey by faith. I love Hebrews 11, because by faith, and it mentions the person's name and what they did. They were journeying, they were living their life by faith. Habakkuk says the just shall live by his faith 
faith. In other words, not on his own, but his faith in God. That's what Michelle's doing. That's what Lillian's doing. That's what so many in our church, and hopefully you are doing, is you are living your life by your faith. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 20, the Bible says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Look, we've got to be building up our faith, but not only building up, but don't stop believing. Why? Because Satan is aiming his darts at us. That's why, look, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 16, look at it. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Satan's shooting his darts at us. Hey, look, you've got, God's given you something to defend yourself. The shield of what? Faith. Did you see on the news, I think it was last night or the night before, that lady that stepped into the lions? Did anybody else see that? She's just standing, right? In, and she's taunting a lion. And I was like, she must be a few fries short of a Happy Meal or something. I'm thinking, listen, that's no little kitty cat. That's a lion. And the Bible says that he is shooting, he's, he's aiming his darts right at us. And the Bible says, take the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able, look at this, with the shield of faith, living by faith, the Bible says that you will be able to quench all, not some, the fiery darts of the wicked one. But look, a lot of times here we are as Christians, we don't pick up our shield, or we don't live by faith, or in other words, we don't live by the truth, and because we don't, guess what happens? The devil just has his way with us. We're full of darts. He takes us down. He He's walking about seeking who he may devour. So we've got to not only stop building, but we need to make sure that we don't stop believing. I love so many passages in the Old Testament dealing with this, this matter, but you know, a lot of times we think God's all about numbers, big numbers. Well, God wrote a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Numbers. Well, you know, a lot of times I look at how God doesn't necessarily need great numbers, but what he does want is he wants great faith in those numbers. Like, for instance, we looked in Sunday school, I think it was this last Sunday, Gideon had 32,000. God said, nope. He went down to 10,000. Nope. Went down to 300, and God says, okay, now it's, it's, it's a go. You know, you think about Jonathan in the Bible. I think I gave you this in your notes here, 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by what? Few. And hopefully you know that story, how God honored Jonathan's faith and God defeated the enemy on that particular day. You think about David. Remember when David stepped forward, a whole host of Israel, nobody would move, and this big mouth giant of a man was, was blaspheming his God? David steps forward in this situation. Well, you think to yourself, well, didn't David fear this guy? I mean, he was definitely way bigger than David was. But I don't think David feared Goliath. You know why? Because David had saw God work in his life before. How many of you have seen God work in your life? Now look, if your hand is up, 
when something like this is attacking in your life and the devil is trying to have his way in your life, you ought to be just like David. You ought to be that confident in God. Why? Because if he did it before, he can do it again. Look what the Bible says here. David said, moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. It was as good as done before David even stepped a foot towards him. Why? Because God had done it before. David did not stop believing. And if we stay focused on the Lord, then guess what's going to happen? When the attacks come, we are going to have confidence. We need to pray just like the apostles prayed. Listen to this. Remember hearing them say this? Lord, increase our faith. That was the apostles that, that said that. Hey, I thought this was the guys that spent three years with Jesus, day in and day out. Yeah, it was. And their comment was, Lord... We need more faith. See, don't stop believing. Jude says, look, one directive God gives to us when, when the attack on the truth comes, don't stop building. Just stay in the word of God. Allow God's word to strengthen you. And then don't stop believing. Live your life by faith. Look at number three there. Don't stop begging. Go back to verse 20. Look at it. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Look at this, praying in the Holy Ghost. The, the Bible tells us that, look, our prayer connects our poverty to His power. You know what we are without God? Somebody tell me. We're nothing. But what are we with God? We're more than conquerors, aren't we? That's what the Bible says. You're going to say something else, Brother Flint? Yeah, we're more than conquerors, the Bible tells us, with God. Listen, with God, if it's just you and God, you know what you are? You're the majority. See, Christianity is always going to be the minority. But when we think about this matter of praying, getting a hold of God, James says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. A lot of times we don't ask. Prayer, listen, I love what somebody said years ago. Prayer is not the least we can do. It's the most we can do. You know, a lot of times you think, have you ever been there where that's all you can do? You know, I've been there with my, my family, my loved ones. And it's like, boy, you know, you ever, remember when your children were young and there was something going on? And, and it, because they were hurting, you were hurting. And you just wish you could do something to take the hurt away. And the only thing you can do is pray. But who are you praying to? You're praying to a God that can do something. James says, listen, this, when the attacks come, he says, pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, men ought always to pray and not to faint. We need to come boldly before the throne of grace. In time of need, when, when we need God, the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His face continually, not just from time to time. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 65, look at this, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I mean, it's almost like God saying, well, you can, 
go on and pray your prayer, but I already know what it is. But God wants us to bring our petitions, to make our petitions known. And as Satan continues to attack and his, his attacks increase, how many of you think the devil is getting, uh, his, his attacks are increasing in this day? How many of you believe that? I do. So what do we do? We need to keep begging God. We need to keep praying in the Holy Ghost. God, I need your power. This is a spiritual battle. And I need your help because I am no match for the devil. Now, God's given us the shield of faith. We need to make sure that we don't stop believing. We need to make sure that we don't stop building. But we've got to also make sure we don't stop begging. But look at the, look at the fourth directive James gives us is don't stop bulwarking. Now, that may not be a word you're familiar with, but I had to find one with a B. All right? That, by the way, that is a Bible word. But when you look at that word, here's what it means. To protect, to fortify, to secure. Look at verse 21 of Jude. It says, keep, look at that second word, yourselves. In the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Wow, what a great verse. I mean, James writes here, or Jude writes here, and he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about guarding your heart. He says, guard your heart. It, folks, I don't know about you, but that's a full-time job for me, to guard my heart. You know, you, you think about, uh, if, if you're like me, for years in our home, we didn't have television. You know why? Because I didn't want all that garbage to get into my children's hearts. Well, by the way, now that my children are grown, I still have to guard my heart because things will come in that don't belong there. And he says, you've got to keep yourselves in the love of God. The devil knows if he can penetrate our hearts. Listen, if he can penetrate your heart, he can have your life. Because out of the heart comes what? The issues of life. You think about how, how this, this happens. I, I read this story. I, I think I mentioned this maybe last week or two weeks ago. I think I have this here somewhere. Yeah, here it is. The Student Government Association at Duke University. Anybody ever heard of Duke University? The student-student government at Duke University voted unanimously not to formally recognize what is called Young Life, one of the nation's most prominent Christian student organizations. Duke University was founded as a Methodist school. There is, somebody said this, there is this effort to push religion. Now, another word for religion is truth. But he says there's an effort to push religion out of the public square to silence Christians, and this is a perfect example. An institution founded as a religious university now says that a group that adheres to a biblical standard of sexual morality is not welcome. I'm reading their words. I didn't make these words up. It says, this is another reminder that religious liberty is under attack. Things have intensified because 
for the first time in a long time, some leaders of our country are actually standing up to the left and pushing back. That has enraged the left, who are now fighting intently to stop the momentum that has created simply, was created simply by standing up. And what does the Bible say to us? Stand up, and having done all, therefore, stand, is what the Bible tells us. And yet you see people today that have stopped in this matter of the truth. And look, folks, we've got to make sure that we continue to protect the truth. Listen to what the, the, there in your notes, Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. When I think about one of my favorite sports, and I know Brother Flynn and some other folks, I love football. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. When I played the game, and it's still the same way, they teach those running backs how to, how to hold that ball because those people on defense, what are they trying to do? They're doing everything they can to strip that ball out of that running back's hands. They're trying everything they can to rip that ball. Listen, that's exactly what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to strip things out of our heart that God has put in there. And we've got to understand the importance. I mean, these players, they understand how important it is. Why? Because you know what changes the game? Turnovers. Turnovers determine whether you're going to win the game or lose the game. And you know in the Christian life? Turnovers. Letting go of the truth. You've got to keep protecting. See, a lot of times we think to ourselves, what's the big deal? Can you imagine if we let the truth go, we let the devil strip the truth out of our hands? What is our children and our children's children going to have? You know, I, I watched a, a piece on the news. I don't even know how old she was, probably not even 30 years old. A lady that was educated, studied, got a degree in teaching, and she, she quit. She walked away from it. Because now, they, because teach, and this has been going on for so long, they have no control in the classroom. And when they get these kids, and she, she said these, she was describing what they do. She said, I've been stabbed with a pencil on numerous occasions. She said one kid, as hard as he could, duffled his fist, and as hard as he could swing, he threw a punch and hit me with it. She, she named like five or six things, and the reporter said, how old were these children in your class? She said, seven. And so now they have this tactic, they call it clear the room, to where when this kid starts throwing this tantrum, this fit, all the other students are taken out of the classroom, and they literally allow this kid to just destroy the room, which most of it is the, the personal property that belongs to that teacher. Things are out of control when you take the truth away. When you take the ability to, to, to function in life, turnovers, too many Christians are careless with their heart. Why? Because they're not guarding it. They have stopped bulwarking. They've stopped protecting. They're indifferent uh, about the skill of the enemy. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The devil is crafty. We got into a little bit of that last Wednesday night about the way he, he subtly has done a, a work with the Word of God, changing the truth into a lie because he's the father of lies. And we've got to make sure that we understand that the enemy is wanting to strip the truth from Christians and he's wanting to strip the truth from churches. And the defense, listen, the defense and the propagation of the truth, if we're going to have the truth in the days to come and we're going to give it out, it all depends on 
this matter of us defending it, us guarding the truth. Folks, listen, you have to understand the precious commodity that you have is that you have God's word. You have the truth. I hope you understand that. And Jude says, listen, that fourth directive that God's given to us, that not only do we need to study it, but we need to obey it is, we've got to make sure that we're protecting the Word of God, that we're keeping it secure. Listen, it is the most, remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We've got to protect the truth. But then look at the last one Jude gives us here. Look at verse 22. The Bible says, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. He says here, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Well, what's this directive? Here it is. Don't stop beckoning. Beckoning. Now, when you think about this, what is he saying? We, we can't allow, by the way, it's easy to get this way, to get so frustrated with all the, the things that are going on. Sometimes we get frustrated. Anybody like me, when I walk out of my house, I go to get in my car, or I pull up to my house and I look at my yard and I see weeds. Does that bother anybody else? You know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, these weeds are just everywhere. And, and when you think about this in our lives, we, we've got to make sure that we're not paying so much attention to the weeds that we stop growing wheat. Jesus died for everyone. Look what Peter writes here. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, word, not willing that any should what? Perish, but that all should come to repentance. Folks, we can't trample on the truth because if we do guess what's going to happen people aren't going to get saved because the truth is what makes them free we've got to we've got to make sure that we keep telling people well how do we do that how is it possible to explain away look at look at what is, uh, paul's writing here in first timothy he says for this is good and acceptable in the sight of god who will have all men well, wait a minute, you mean God wants everybody to be saved? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. You know, there are people that are trying to teach people that God is only going to save a certain select group of people. Is that the truth? No, it's not the truth. Not according to the Bible. But see, there's people who, how do you get around 2 Peter 3, 9? He's not willing that any should perish. And then you come to 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. We need to keep witnessing to the lost. We need to keep uh, pointing people to the Savior. We, we need to do what, what Andrew did for his own brother, bring him to Christ. We need to continue to preach the gospel. We need to continue to help start churches and, and to get, the, get missionaries around the world. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 2. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. You don't have to answer this, but in your mind, think about this. How long have you been in church? How long have you been a Christian? The Bible says the things that we, who have been in church, who have been saved for all these many years, he says, the things that you've heard of me, among many witnesses, the same, all of us, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach 
others. We have a responsibility to beckon others. He says, look, I know that the devil is waging war. He's trying to get rid of the truth. Hey, listen, this is no time for Christians to pack up their bags and head for the hills. We need, to, we need to make sure that we're telling people about the love of God. God promises that he will give the results if we just keep sowing the seeds. I was sitting in my office the other day, and Brother Chris and, and Brother Kenny got back. I think Brother Gilbert went with them, and this lady called, man, she was mad. She was mad. How dare you people come to my house and, and try to talk to me about God? Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and if you ever go out, when you go to somebody's house, it, you're on private property. You're there unannounced. I always tell our folks, always think about that. If somebody says to me, hey, listen, get off my property, you know what I do? I get off their property. If there's a sign that says no soliciting, guess what? I don't knock on their door. I try to respect people's wishes. But listen, I have a higher authority. God says to go into all the world. Now, listen, I'm not, gonna, I'm not intentionally going to make somebody. She says, she says, this isn't the 70s anymore. No, it's not. But we still have a response. Now, watch this. A lot of churches, just like this one, have relegated their responsibility, which is the truth, and they don't go out anymore. A lot of churches have quit going out. People say, well, Pastor, we still go out? Yes, we do. You know why? Because we've been commanded to. Commanded. As Christians, we are to be a witness. And see, what's happened is, is if we quit doing what God has given to us, which is truth, then eventually no Christian is ever going to beckon somebody. And you know what happens when we don't ask people, when we don't tell people about the love of God? Who gets saved? Nobody. How many people do you think are going to walk through the doors of the church house if nobody ever invites them or nobody ever talks to them about the Lord? See, it, it, listen, all the internet, and by the way, I, I have even learned, there's some value to it. Nothing will ever replace a face-to-face -face when you can talk to them, see their eyes, hear their voice. Nothing. Nothing will. Now, we, we have a Facebook and we have, uh, we have a website and God's using us. But I'm going to tell you something, the personal touch is what God has used for many, many years. And we've got to keep beckoning them because as we obey God, guess what God's going to do? He's going to give us the increase. I think about this lady. She was here not last Sunday because she's out of town. I think she's still out of town this week, but she was here. I told a couple of our ladies and they didn't recognize her name. I knocked on her door. She, she says to me, she goes, yeah, I used to go to that church. And I said, what do you mean you used to? And she said, yeah, I went there for quite a few years. And I said, why'd you quit going? She said, my last service was when Mark Brown passed away. She said, it so threw me. She said, I quit going to church. And she's standing there, and there's tears running down her face. And she, she doesn't say anything. She turns around and walks away from me. I'm standing at the door like, she comes back, she's got Kleenex, she's wiping her eyes, and she said, 
you know, God's been telling me for a while, I need to get back to church. And she says, God sent you to, to my door. Now that street that I was on, I've been on that street, Guslet, I know three times. And I know other people from our church have been on that. It's the last two streets that are parallel to Griffin, right over by where uh, Jeff and Muriel live. I've been on that street many times, but God had me that day, her answer the door, and she came to church on Sunday, and she sat there after church. She says, Pastor, she said, I'm so glad you came by my house. It still works, folks. Going out, talking to people, inviting them. Psalm 126, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing, look at the word of God, precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. A lot of times people say, well, you know, the gospel doesn't work anymore. That's not the truth. That's a lie. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Folks, do you get it as a church? If we believe that, we might as well turn out the lights, lock the door, and sell the building. Either the gospel works or it doesn't. And Jude says, you've got to keep beckoning people. God is encouraging us here to not stop beckoning. And look, as, as hard as our, our president, our politicians, and the TSA, and the Border Patrol, all of those want to try to stop what we would call infiltration, they will never be able to completely stop infiltration. They're not going to be able to keep the terrorists out of our country. And guess what? No matter how hard we try, we can't stop the devil either in and of ourselves. No matter how vigilant we are, Satan is smarter and Satan has the resources. I'll give you a good example. And this, this has come up. I'll just share this real quick and then I'll be done. But maybe you heard the name John MacArthur. MacArthur made a statement and he said that it is not the literal liquid blood of Christ that saves, but it's his sacrificial death on the cross, a view that he espoused in an article where he entitled it, not his bleeding, but his dying. It was an issue in 1976 of the Grace to You family paper that was distributed to his church. He said that when the call of God came on the life of the Apostle Paul, it was a sovereign, divine, gracious, and irresistible summons. He was slammed, this is his words, he was slammed into the dirt on the road to Damascus with nothing to do but respond. He is called as an apostle. God, look, you, you study the word of God. There's nowhere that, that the, my Bible tells me that God grabbed Paul by the neck and slammed him into the dirt. And to say that Paul had no choice is wrong. It goes against what we call individual soul liberty. Say, so Pastor, why are you bringing this up? It's one of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of examples of people who think that John MacArthur's a good old boy, that he knows that everything he believes about the Bible is true. Now, does he believe some truth? Sure he does. But some of the things that he believes and teaches is damnable. John MacArthur said regarding the sonship of Jesus, I am only concerned to explain the meaning of Hebrews 1.5 
if there was a time when the second member of the Trinity became a son, was begotten, and if the use of the future shall be to me a son, then there must have been a time when he was not. Not what, John? Not the Son of God? He is God eternal. He has always been, he always will be God. Some of you are looking at me funny. It's all right. In the Bible, Psalm 2, he says, refers to God the Son twice. The, the Bible says, serve the Lord. This is, this is the word of God, not MacArthur. Serve the Lord with fear and, and rejoice him with trembling. Kiss the Son unless he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled. The, uh, in the book of Daniel, the Son of God is referred to when Christ appeared in the furnace. Remember, there was a fourth one walking about as the Son of God. And, and the Bible tells us in Isaiah 7, 14 and 9, 6, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. I'm sorry, Mr. MacArthur. MacArthur speaks, listen to this one, Robert. He speaks for Israel on one hand, and he, then he participates with men in conferences that despise dispensationalism and refuse to believe in Christ's millennial reign on the earth. He's speaking out both sides of his mouth. They both cannot be the truth. Perhaps his greatest heresy is what is called lordship salvation. He, he fails to believe the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone, which is what we just studied in Romans chapter number 4, in, in, by faith alone and the imputed righteousness of Christ. In his teachings, he perverts and subverts the gospel of Jesus. He suggests that works must be understood as part of faith. Whoa. Works is a part of faith? According to one of his books, he wrote, faith includes, these are his words, faith includes conduct, that is works. He said, faith is conviction, surrender, and conduct. MacArthur confuses biblical justification, regeneration, and sanctification. Rather than discussing the gospel, he discusses psychology, and he cites that Judas likely believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but gives no evidence for his assertion. In other words, he makes a, makes a claim, but he gives nothing biblically to back it up. Folks, look, I'm just telling you that that man and so many others are dangerous. And we've got to understand that God's word is truth. Don't look, even if you have a study Bible, don't rely on the notes of the person that studied the Word of God, formulated those notes, you study the Bible. You know what the Word of God has to say because God says, my Word is truth. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus when he was on trial for his life? He said these words, what is truth? And the old adage, it was standing in front of him, it could have hit him in the face and he wouldn't have known it. Jesus is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And folks, listen, don't believe the lies that are out there. 
I, I had some man just the other day, he asked me about varying degrees of repentance. Show me that in the Bible. There are so many things that are passed off as Bible that have absolutely nothing to do with the truth, but we believe it because people pass it off like it is the truth. So what do we need to do? We need to be discerning. And we need to make sure that we heed these five directives because these directives that God gave as Jude wrote them down are directives that will help us when the attacks come. And by the way, if you live for God, the attacks will come. And honestly, all of us, not just this pastor, we all have a responsibility to guard the truth and to pass it on to the next generation. I hope you understand the importance of it, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the truth and what it means to me personally, to each one of us. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that even if something that I said tonight might have might have just kind of hit a bell, rang a bell tonight in someone's life, that instead of them getting upset, Lord, I just pray that they would search it out themselves. Everything I read was was either from the Word of God or direct quotes from people. And uh, Lord, I, again, you tell us that if there's someone that is not uh, not sharing the truth, that we are to mark them. And Lord, I never intentionally want to just call someone out, but boy, there's there needs to be some examples of those that have walked away from the truth that know better. And I pray that you'd help us to be discerning, to have a, a healthy, steady diet of the Word of God so that we can help those around us to come to know Christ as their Savior. And Lord, again, we thank you for uh, the, the uh, privilege and the blessing to have the Word of God, the truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.